0: Monday, February 10th at 6.30 p.m. at the Clinton Street Theater in Portland. Big Money Agenda explores the effects of money in politics, Citizens United, as well as solutions to the issues of money and politics that's preventing real change. There will also be a discussion after the film. Again, that's the screening of the documentary film Big Money Agenda. On Sunday, February 10th at 6.30pm at the Clinton Street Theater, 2522 Southeast Clinton Street in Portland. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events.
1: KBOO Community Radio is proud to co-sponsor the Real Music Film Festival through February 16th at the Witzel Auditorium, 1219 Southwest Park Avenue in Portland. On Friday, February 8th, the Real Music Festival will screen documentary, Industrial Accident, the story of Wax Tracks Records. Wax Tracks Records was founded in 1975, the beloved record shop and label that has been based in Chicago since 1978. This documentary by Julian Nash details the rise, temporary fall, and legacy of Wax Tracks. Again, that's the Real Music Film Festival showing Industrial Accident, the story of Wax Tracks Records on Friday, February 8th at 7pm at the Whistle Auditorium, 1219 Southwest Park Avenue in Portland. More information can be found at kbu.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events. Yo, check this out Hard Knock Radio coming at you Bringing the noise This is Chuck, D, public enemy number one News views and hip hop This is
0: Sister Soldier on Hard Knock Radio Listen
2: closely Que pasa raza This is Deuce Eclipse The Oy Joaquin parte chino Check it out Listening to Hard Knock Radio Hey, this is Patrice Russian, And whenever I'm in the Bay Area And I need good information and great radio
1: It's all about Hard Knock Radio JVD, Hard Knock Radio, hanging out with you this afternoon. Over the weekend, a lot of attention was focused on the city of Atlanta. Uh, That is a place where Hard Knock Radio is aired, so big shout-out to all our folks in the ATL. But it was big doings as the Super Bowl was in town. A lot of people were paying attention to the music scene. And then, just hours before the Super Bowl, the world was shocked to get the news that 21 Savage, whose real name is Shia Ben Abraham-Joseph, had been arrested by ICE and that he was placed in deportation proceedings. Now for many people who aren't familiar with 21 Savage, the artist that may seem like what's the big deal but for people who are familiar with his music and he is very popular many people had no idea that his immigration status was something that would be questioned Um, for as long as you can remember he has been a main fixture in the Atlantic, uh, in the Atlanta music scene. People know him, he's referenced all the time, he talks about growing up in the area, etc., etc. But now we come to find out that, according to ICE, he had overstayed his visa, and he was in violation of the law. That caught many people off guard, and he became the subject of a lot of ridicule, because the way it sounds is that here's this uh, millionaire rapper, somebody who's on the Grammys and on TV and all these other things, and that he was an irresponsible adult. Now we come to find out that he is like almost 2 million kids that are in the United States, that he was brought here as a child, um, someone who was maybe 11 years old. So when his visa expired, it expired when he was 12. And that opens up this whole conversation that we're going to have this afternoon about immigration, immigration, um, your citizenship status, and in particular, how it pertains to those of African descent. Oftentimes, the face of the undocumented person is Latina or Latino, but there's also a serious concern as it pertains to those of African descent. And joining us in the studio, we have somebody who is no stranger to this, and, in fact, is in pretty similar situation to 21 Savage. Her name is Laji uh, Salivar. She is no stranger to our airwaves. And also on the phone line with us is Nana Jumfrey, who is the CEO of African Americans, uh, African, what is it, Immigration Alliance, right? I'm the ex- executive director of the Black Alliance for Just Immigration black alliance for just immigration. I, I couldn't get African-American out my name. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me start off with you, Nana. Um, I mentioned that the face of the immigrant, the undocumented, um, is brown. But there's a lot of black folks that are caught up um, in that situation and also being deported all over. So can you kind of give us some perspective? Yes,
0: Absolutely. There are a lot of black immigrants who are being caught up. Black immigrants find themselves often at the intersection of criminalization, right? Just as black folks being racially profiled and targeted by the criminal sanction system and this immigration enforcement system that uh, deports black immigrants at higher rates than other ethnicities. So we may not have the same numbers as, for example, brown folks, but in given the numbers that we have, our deportation rates are higher. And so, and we also have a, a high rate of folks who are undocumented. Again, they may not be dreamers, they may not qualify to be dreamers because of the other factors that affect us as black folks. But we have at least 600,000 undocumented black immigrants in this country. I um, in about 4.2 million. Immigrants, black immigrants total in this country. So we are here and we are definitely being targeted both by
1: the law enforcement, criminal sanction system, the POPO, but also by ICE as well. You know, we're here in the West Coast, and so obviously – you know, for a lot of people, and I've heard people who are pretty insensitive. Well, well, ain't no black folks being deported. This ain't even our issue. Why are we even talking about that? But can you break this down? Being from New York, I think I'm a little more familiar because I've seen in the here, Jamaicans and Haitians. Um, but how have you seen this, you know, overall? And, you know, it does it really change from city to city and state to state. It's pretty consistent. We just issued Black
0: Alliance for Just
1: Immigration,
0: Baji for short, we just issued a State of Black Immigrant California report this past September, 2018. And when you looked at deportations, particularly looking at deportations of people with criminal conviction, and the criminal convictions can be you know something light. It doesn't have to be robbery, burglary, or rape. But when you look at criminal convictions, Black immigrants get deported just off of one criminal conviction at a much higher rate than anyone else. And so 76% of black immigrants with a prior conviction are deported. Now, when you compare that, for example, with the Asian community, and that's, of course, a large swath of, of people, right, different nations, but their percentage of getting deported based on prior convictions is 38%. I'm going to get it even more narrow. When you talk about Black folks from the Caribbean, their percentage of uh, deportations based upon a prior conviction—just give me just one prior conviction—is 83%. So look at those numbers. For Asians, it's 38%. For folks from the Caribbean alone, it's 83%. And so you're seeing now uh, large pushback or pushback from various countries. You see that my mother country of Ghana has pushed back, um, leading the United States to issue a visa sanction. They're not going to give as many visas, they say, because Ghana is not just wholesaling accepting deportees. Ghana is saying, hey, we want to know that you're not just profiling people, picking them up, and sending them, you know, home. We want to understand really what's happening as you are separating families through this detention and deportation process. And so... When you go to the detention centers and you you, know, you see that there are black immigrants there, many of them from East Africa, many of them from Haiti, you know, Haiti actually just that one country um, is so highly affected. And when you look at things like the reversal of temporary protected status for places like Haiti, Honduras, where you have the Garifuna people. Um, and Sudan, Liberia, uh, Sierra Leone, and then they're, you know, eyeing Somalia, you realize that really you're talking about hundreds of thousands of black folks that they are determined to deport in this targeted kind of way.
1: That's the voice of Nana Joffrey from Black Alliances, uh, Black Immigration Alliance. Baji, as you said, right? Black Alliance for Just Immigration. David, i will make you write it down. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> I don't have a pen where I'm standing at, so I'm going to ask you to repeat it again. And so it ain't my fault, you know. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> I want to bring in um, uh, Laji Salazar. Uh, Laji, uh, the immediate response when they heard about uh, 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 21 Savage, the artist, was well why didn't he just apply and why didn't he just you know uh you know get his visa taken care of and all that and it seemed to me that there wasn't a real understanding of how arduous a process that is and what the limitations are, et cetera, et cetera. Um, When I first heard the case, immediately I thought of you because I said, well, he could have been a DACA applicant, but that presents a whole lot of complications and it isn't immediately open. So can you explain the type of scenarios that folks like yourself who are undocumented have gone through which may mirror somebody like uh, 21 Savage who was brought here to this country when he was 11 years old? Um,
2: Sure. So one of the first things that I do want to say is there's a multitude of conversations that are happening. One, um, I really want to push back around the narrative of uh, brought here and stayed through no fault of their own. Our parents are not criminals. They made a conscious decision to move to a different country in hopes of creating a better future. And so that that idea of through no fault of our own, it again continually puts the blame on our parents and it's disruptive in our community um the other thing is that um one of my first thoughts when i heard the situation is if someone with money and obviously enough money to hire a bomb ass lawyer right cannot sort out their immigration situation it kind of highlights how complicated the immigration system is um in general and again very specifically how racialized it is for um black immigrants right um for many of us, um, as you said, he would not be eligible for the DACA program because he has a prior conviction, although uh, Leguida's report says that it's been expo- his record was expunged. There's a lot of complications around there. But, for example, you, you know, I have... a
1: and Let's just be clear, too, and, and uh, Nana, you can also jump in. When you say, with a drug conviction, and I don't know all the details about drug convictions, but I do know from having spent quite a bit of time in the South that um, if you're caught with a joint in San Francisco, California, that is one situation where it's like you may get a citation. If you're caught with a joint in, in Georgia or you're caught with a joint in um, Texas, and we just saw this recently with the rap artist. um uh, gosh I'm I'm trying to remember One half of the dog pound um, That was corrupt and his partner right He just yeah, no not exhibit the other one I'm going to remember his name in a minute But anyway he got caught with something that would be a slap On the wrist in San Francisco but he's looking at a felony You know charge And so when you hear these words Like uh, criminal And overstayed the visa you know In my mind, it makes you think, oh, he was an irresponsible adult, not somebody who was 11 years old. When you hear drug conviction, you think, was he moving keys? But if you're talking about Louisiana and Atlanta and something, it may have been that he just had a joint in the car, which... You know when when you label it a certain way connotes a whole bunch of other things, but his record was expunged as a result. so that means he wasn't moving keys
2: well, I mean yes, and as Nana has already mentioned, um, black folks are criminalized in a very distinct way. so when you are dealing at this intersection where uh, black folks are distinctly targeted and criminalized by police, you're more subject to having a criminal record and um, for example, for DACA, if you have a single felony conviction, you are not eligible for the program. Um, and uh, if you have, I, I I can't tell you the exact number, but several uh, misdemeanors, so you're not eligible for the program. I have a younger uh, sibling who's not eligible for the program.
1: And so misdemeanor could be driving without a license.
2: Exactly. My missing sibling, school. My sibling has a, several driving without a license tickets because at the time they couldn't get a license because they're undocumented. And so now they're not eligible for DACA. Um, so it, it um, there's. There's this uh, idea that you have to live this perfect life in order to be eligible for even some sort of reprieve from um, deportation. Um, and and again, as Nana has mentioned, that is exponentially more complicated when you are black, when you are a black male and you're criminalized in a very distinct way.
0: Let me just say also just to add, 21 does have a U visa application in, and that application didn't just go in. It's been in earlier So, and a U visa application is for people who are victims of crime, and you have to be able to show that really this, you know, you were severely harmed in some way by that um, crime that was committed against you. And so, and I think that that's another interesting piece that needs to be figured in here, because his application is in, which means that the Department of Homeland Security is aware that he has an application as a victim of crime to be protected by the United States. And instead of being protected, is being thrown into and held in a cage um, in a detention center in Georgia, which are renowned, their detention centers, renowned for being places of great human rights violations. So I just want to add that layer that, you know, that is not the only way that people are able to what they call adjust their status, but that even, you know, whatever way you use, it doesn't happen tomorrow, that it takes a a while for that to occur. And it would seem that while you are waiting for relief, that you should not be thrown into a detention center separated from your family and forced to face deportation when you're making that kind of request.
1: A couple of things with respect to that. So, you know, he filed this, you know, a couple of years ago. So, you just didn't do this overnight and and as you said it's a long arduous process. But the other thing is that um 21 Savage has three kids and they were right. all born here and there's been a lot of talk about separating the parents from the kids and all that. Um, we we, we kind of heard about it a little bit when Obama was in office, where we heard that, you know, the parents were in these detention centers, but now we're seeing it much more in an egregious way with folks at the, do- at the border having their kids taken, and then now we're hearing that it's almost impossible to return them because there's such an arduous situation for our government. But in this case, 21 Savages is dealing with that now, too, because he's in a detention center now separated from his kids, and they want to send him outside the country. So can anybody speak to that? And I'll start off with you, Nana, and then go to uh, Lodgy. Well, absolutely. That's one of the concerns that
0: we have. And it again goes back to this umbrella of racial justice that we share with African-Americans who also find themselves separated from their families whether that be in the through the criminal sanction system and imprisonment, being sent to jail, whether that be through the foster care system, but we know that the separation of Black folks from their children is a historical reality in this country, and you don't get exempted from experiencing that reality because you're a Black immigrant. That is, you know, part of and parcel of the history of what it means to be Black.